0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 16 this morning. Luke chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. We want you to have the Word of God in your lap as we, um, as we go through it, and we want you to be able to read it for yourself. Make sure, keep me honest, make sure I'm not making stuff up here. Luke chapter 16, Jesus, if you were with us, we're doing this thing called uh, The Life and the Ministry of Jesus in Chronological Order. It's the Follow Me series. We're looking at Jesus' life as it happened, as the best we can put it together uh, chronologically throughout the Gospels. Last week, if you were with us, you recall that Jesus was talking to a mixed multitude of crowd. Uh, He was talking to sinners and Pharisees as they were drawing near, you know, to him, tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees didn't like the fact that Jesus spent time with sinners, that he, he actually welcomed them in and that he, a, he also dined with them in intimacy, uh, revealing himself to them. And, and the Pharisees and scribes would keep an arm's length distance away from sinners. They wouldn't want anything to do with that. They were uh, very pretentious religious people, which God is uh, definitely calling us not to be. And so as we look at the, the scripture last week, Jesus really described for us God's heart for lost, for the lost people. You know, his heart is that lost people would be found. He is literally in this world right now seeking to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. That was his mission statement, to seek and save that which is lost. And so his church then takes on that mission, right? We as the body of Christ, as his ambassadors today, we then go into the world and we seek and save that which is lost. We lead them to Jesus. He is the only one that can save them. We go into the world and we tell them that God cares for them, that he loves them, that that you don't have to try and find favor with God. You already have favor with God. You just have to receive him into your life. He wants to give you life abundantly And, and all you have to do is receive him in. And so that's our job as the church. We're not to be religious people that push sinners away from Jesus, but we're called to call them into relationship with him. Jesus, uh, uh, Paul told us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, that is an awesome ministry. That is where we have the privilege to stand between, uh, you know, some, a sinner and the Lord, and we get to watch God reconcile himself to them. How awesome is that? That is a privilege and an honor. And if you've never seen that happen before, it is incredible to watch God forgive somebody of their sin, to watch him start a relationship with them. Listen, this, this thing of God's heart for the lost people should be God's church's heart for the lost people as well. We should have a heart. We should be doing these things. And So Jesus was describing this as he was addressing the, 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 the really crude comments that the Pharisees and scribes were making. Now we get to this place where Jesus enters into a parable. I'm saved, now what? You know? So he's talking to the same crowd of people but he turns and he ta- starts to talk to his disciples about what it means to be a steward. Now that you've been saved, I have a plan and a purpose. I have a job for you. I'm going to resource you. I'm going to invest in you that I want you to take your resources and invest in the world to find lost people. It's the whole point. It's what he wants to talk to us about this morning. Being a wise servant, being a wise steward, I should say. So would you stand with me and we're going to read Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. This is one of the most peculiar uh, parables that you'll find in the Bible where Jesus uses a negative example for his church. Very interesting. Check this out. Verse 1, Luke chapter 16 says, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this manager was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in, the, turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking my, the management away from me? I am not strong enough to, to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the, the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For Uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we ask God that you would help us to be honest with you this morning as it relates to your disciples, Christians in this room today, and how we are managing the things that you've given us. We pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts We want to be good stewards. We want to hear those words one day. Well done, good and faithful steward. Lord, speak to us today. Help us to hear clearly what your spirit would have to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. How many of you have a child that when you give them something, you understand that it's only a matter of time before it's going to be utterly destroyed? Anybody have a child like that? (laughs) <laughs> I have a few of them myself. I, I, I was one of those children. Like, whatever my parents gave me, I had for, like, at least two, three minutes, tops, before something happened to it. Like, I just didn't really care too much about it. I, I thought that what I had been given was solely for my own enjoyment. My brother Gus, on the other hand, he was the exact opposite, whatever... My parents gave him, you know, like two years later, it looked brand new. You know, it wouldn't matter if it was toys or clothes or whatever it might be. He took such well, he cared for the things that he was given for so much that, you know, my dad even to this day will make comments about that. Man, you know, Gus really kept his stuff brand new, you know. It was almost as if Gus Gus understood that he was only a steward of that which he was given. That actually maybe one day that thing that toy that clothing whatever it was that he was given wouldn't would go to somebody else gus would be one of those kind of kids that you would want to you know become friends with so that you could get his hand-me-downs because they were that good he's the kind of kid that you would like to you know when you shop a goodwill you want those kind of people donating their stuff because they care about it they understand maybe they don't fully comprehend it but they care about that which they've been given they're stewarding it well I, on the other hand, was the direct opposite. I was not stewarding my stuff very well. And and like I said, I I just basically thought that it was for my own enjoyment. Many folks live their Christian lives like that. Many folks live their Christian lives as if God hasn't given them and God has given you everything you have, but God has given you what you have for your own personal enjoyment. That there's no other purpose for it, that he's just... He's just entrusted you with all these things, and it's like, oh great, I get to do what, you know, if I have a lot, I get to do a lot. If I don't have much, then I still, you know, I have something at least, you know, but, but it's all about me. What, what Jesus wants us to understand today is that is not the case. The case is that God has entrusted you with time, with talents, with resources, financial capability, and whatnot. He has entrusted you with, let's just call that wealth, okay? He's entrusted you with wealth for His purposes, for His honor, for His glory, for His enjoyment, right? Not that we can't enjoy it. If you walk away from what you're hearing in the Scripture today that Jesus wants you to be penniless and poor and He wants you to give everything away that you own and, and so that you can stand before the world and say, look, I have nothing. I've given it all away. That is the wrong way to look at what He's saying, what he's saying to us in this passage is, you are a steward, be a wise one. You, what you've been given should be solely focused on what you can do for the Lord with those things, whether it's your house, your cars, you know, whatever it might be, your finances, all of those things you should be considering and planning and investing in the future. That's what he kind of presents to us in this parable. Parable. It's sort of a financial planning for the Christian, sort of a stewardship. Here you've been giving these things, now I want, you to, I want you to take care of these things and I want you to invest them wisely because everything that you have today will one day fail and you'll stand before the Lord and you'll, be, you'll give an account for everything, for, your, for the, how you spent your time, how you uh, spent your talents, how you spent your finances. You're a steward, be a wise one. That's what he wants to say to us. The first thing that we find in the passage here is Jesus um, speaking to us about our stewardship in this parable. Look with me in verse one. He also said to the disciples. So again, this is the same conversation that he's having from chapter 15. We we don't put a chapter break in there and say, okay, this is a different conversation. Same conversation, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that that manager was wasting money. His possessions and so here we have uh, Jesus presenting to us this parable of what's called the unjust steward or the unjust servant whatever you want to call it or the unrighteous servant It's called different things Uh, what Jesus is presenting to us is the idea that we are stewards that we all have been given stewardship in this day and age everybody would understand that when Jesus would talk about a steward they would say okay you mean the manager of the house Okay, I got that. If, if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know in the Old Testament, God caused Joseph to be a steward. He was a steward a couple times, wasn't he? First in Potiphar's house. He came as a slave to his house, and he was so trustworthy. And, and, and God, you know, Potiphar could see God's blessing upon his life, and so he came to trust him fully and just gave him reign over his life. And of course, the enemy, when you do that, the enemy comes in and he tries to derail what God's doing, but yet it only propels him even further. Yes, he goes through a trial and he goes to jail, but God takes him and he becomes the second most elevated person in all of Egypt. And God would put him there, and that was all part of his plan. But understand, Joseph had to be a good steward. He had to be somebody who understood his place in what in God's plan totally. So Jesus, everyone would understand here when Jesus meant, mentions the word steward. A steward would be somebody who was given all of uh, the wealth of a person, you know, they had different levels of stewardship, but in this case, it would seem that this man had um, complete control over all the possessions of this man's house. And he's given a charge. Someone has told the, the rich man that his steward is wasting his possessions. Now, we don't know what that means, totally. What we know is that whether he was embezzling money from him or he just wasn't being wise with what he was given, he was squandering the possessions that he was given, maybe, maybe he was being, living in excess. Maybe he was, you know, investing in things that were really not going to yield anything. And so the rich man said, hey, I hear that you're wasting my possessions. I hear that you are uh, wasting the things that I've been giving you. That can happen. That can happen. Anytime you can trust another human being with something, there is that potential. Oh, just ask some of the celebrities. Just ask Rihanna, Elton John. Ask Ben Stiller ask any of these guys uh, in fact those specifically have been ripped off by their financial managers where they've entrusted you know them with their wealth and said okay go ahead and and invest my money and make money for me and whatnot because apparently when you're wealthy it, it becomes a bigger job right you have so many resources that you need to hire people to help you do that and so um, these people saw the bad side of stewardship this man is experiencing the bad side of stewardship where his steward is crooked where he is actually taking what he has been given and utilizing it in, in a wrong way. This is a picture of you and I. Jesus is telling us as his disciples, not just 2,000 years ago, but today, he's telling us that you are stewards of God's possessions. You're stewards of what he's given you. You, are, you have been given what you have, as I talked about. You know, it doesn't matter what your job is, how much money you make, doesn't matter what kind of car you have or what kind of house you have. Everything that you have has been given to you by God. It's a gift from you. He has, he has gifted you with these things, and he expects you to, um, to rule them well. He expects you to use them for his honor and glory, not for our own soul purposes, but for his purposes. Listen, there is coming a day, like the man in our story, where Jesus is going to call you to account. He's going to say, okay, let's reconcile the stewardship that I've given you. Let's see what you did with what you were given. This man was found out in in our parable. He was found out to, to be a bad steward. The Lord is telling us as His stewards today, don't be a bad steward. Take what you've been given and use it wisely. Use your time and your talents, your financial resources as if they belong to God. I don't know about you, but does that put a different weight on it for you? When you think that, you know, your, your bank account is not your bank account, but it's like a joint account with God, like He's given you a power of attorney to act on His behalf on this earth, but really it's His. Does that, does that put a different weight on it for you or, or your you know all the resources that you have, your time that God has said, look, I'm gonna give you this much time, and I want you to do something with that time? It's His time but he's given it to you and entrusted it to you, doesn't it put a different weight on it? It, There's an accountability that comes along with all that you have, and Jesus wants you to understand that. He wants you to understand that, that the possessions that you have, you'll give an account for one day. Whether it be lot or not much at all, you are accountable for those things. So use them wisely. Jesus goes on to tell us that the way that we should use God's possessions is the way that this this man utilizes his possessions. And the way that he views his situation is the way that we should view our Christianity. Look with me at verse 3 here. This manager, after being caught, now says to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, and I realize that I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll devise a scheme, and I will put a plan in place that will give me favor with other people. Now, what is he doing? He's planning for the future. He understands his time is short. It's only a matter of time, and then his, ca- his account is going to be taken from him, and he's going to be stripped of everything that he has. You see, a steward in this day and age would live with, the, the person that they're, they're managing their, their wealth or whatever. Sometimes they were slaves, but sometimes they were hired hands that were put into these homes. So when you think about losing your job in this culture, it wasn't as if you're, you're just going to go out and find another job. No, when you lose your job, you lose your house, you, you lose, lose your security, you lose your ability to, to, to get food, all of those things. You, use the, you lose the basic necessities of life. And on top of it, your reputation is trashed. No one is going to hire you in that place. They're going to say, what happened over there? Why aren't you? No doubt that they would have already known what's going on here. So this man, understanding his situation, understanding that time is short, he does something very smart according to Jesus. He goes and finds favor. He is investing in the future. And it says here, that he goes and he um, goes to those which owe his master money and he cuts deals with them so that they can secure some sort of means of living for him down the road. So, in other words, he went to a guy that owed him, owed his master, you know, 100 whatever, 100, 100 measures of, uh, of oil, and he said, Let's just have you pay 50 and we'll settle the account right now. He still had that authority, but he understood time was short. He, he gave the guy a 50% discount. He goes to another guy and he says, how much do you owe my master? Oh, you owe him whatever, 100 of that. Then you know what? You're going 100 measures of, um, of wheat. Well, why don't you just pay 80? Now, you got to be thinking, what happened to the 50? I'd rather have that than the 80, right? But, but the guy's <laughs> dealing with people differently. He's saying, hey, I'll give you a 20% discount. I want to find favor in your eyes. I am setting myself up for the future. He figures if he scratches their back, they'll scratch his. I mean, who's not going to remember somebody that gave them a 50% discount, you know? Peter Miller could negotiate that all day long, but not, not this guy. He figures, you know what? If I do this, I will secure some sort of future for me. Now, the master, it says, catches wind of this man's schemes and he he commends him Jesus is saying the master goes well oh, that was pretty smart man understand he's not commending the actions what he's commending is the shrewdness of the man he's commending the wisdom in it the fact that this guy saw his situation he assessed where he was immediately he he actually said to himself okay I only have limited time so here's what I'm gonna do I'm going to go to my um you know, the people that owe my master money, and I'm going to cut a deal with them so that, I, so that when I get kicked out, I have a place to go. He was trying to take care of himself. And the master goes, whoa, that was smart. That was super smart of you. All he could say to him was, well played, friend. Well played. Jesus goes on to say here that the sons of the world, those, speaking of unbelievers, they are far more shrewd, meaning... They're just wise with what they're doing. They have a they have a plan and they and they are they they activate that plan and they execute it well. They are shrewd, you know. If you ever watch um, uh, Shark Tank, they they call Kevin O'Leary Mr. Wonderful. You know, they call him a shrewd businessman because he 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 comes up with deals that nobody comes up with. He he invests in ways that nobody ever ever does. He's just a super shrewd guy. He's very wise and he has a plan and he executes his plan well so so jesus is saying that the sons of the world are shrewd the unbelievers of the world are far more shrewd with their own generation looking for ways to optimize and gain the most out of every situation they don't apologize for it either their mindset is security for the future they don't they're trying to maximize what they've been given but the sons of light speaking of who speaking of believers jesus is not so much not so much believers aren't so much shrewd when it comes to their play in the world now he was saying this 2,000 years ago to his disciples he was telling them you guys aren't aren't really actively going to you're going to struggle with this you're going to you're going to get caught up in the world and and you're going to have a battle of making a living and and trying to do well for yourself and then maintain everything that you have and try and serve me with it it's going to be a struggle for you and and you may not you may not utilize all that i've been given you the best that you could so i'm telling you now be like that be like the shrewd businessman as it relates to what god has entrusted you with it's a negative example that jesus is hammering home the point that that's how we're called to be with the gospel we're called to be shrewd with the gospel how can i get the gospel into that person's life are we, you know, when you consider yourself and, and you plan and, and you, you strategize and you, you prepare yourself for your work week and you're going into your job and you're thinking, I want to climb the ladder and I want to do this. And so you have a plan and, a, and you do it. You execute it well because you want to excel. But God says to you today, are you doing that for my kingdom? Are you doing that for my kingdom are you planning and strategizing and are you looking for ways to propagate the gospel in a way that it might go forth and burst forth fruit in people's lives that stuff lasts this other stuff fades away he's saying man the sons of the world they're doing it well how many of you believe that more people know about coca-cola than they do jesus How many of you believe that more people know who Apple is than you do the Savior of the world? And this is an indictment on the church. Because we've been entrusted with the gospel. And He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Listen, the Lord is telling us that, you know, we have a job to do. And it's not just that we're here to, you know, I think sometimes Christians they don't it's almost like they need the question answered I'm saved now what what do I do now is is earth just this waiting room that now I'm just sitting here waiting for Christ to come back so that I can be you know shed this um earthly body and I can be glorified and not have to struggle the way I am is that what I'm doing no that's not what you're doing there is no waiting room when you become saved you were ushered into an army that has a mission and that that mission is to go in and tell everyone else about the things that God has done in your life that's what you've been called into you've been enlisted and engaged into an army that has a plan and that is supposed to be active and moving, not a waiting room there is no waiting room in Christ he's entrusted you with things so that you can do that It wouldn't be too cool if God said hey Here's the plan. Now resource it yourself, right? Here, you you go ahead and do it yourself. You you know, if you want to, if you want to tell people about me, you know, you go ahead and do it in your own power. You know, I'm not going to give you the words to say it. Oh, by the way, if you want to support some kind of a mission, you do it on your own. I'm not going to bless you to do that. You do it all on your own, man. I don't think that would fly, would it? But God hasn't done that, and in fact. God has said, I'll do it all for you. I'll lay it all out for you. I will empower you. I will give you the words to say. I will resource you. I will do everything that you need to have happen. I will have already done. All you have to do is follow the plan. Simple, right? That's what he's saying. Be shrewd like this business guy. Listen, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is far more smart than the the enemy. He he knows far more than the enemy knows. And so if we open ourselves up to his wisdom, then you know what? We are going to be shrewd as Jesus is calling us to be in this way. And and shrewd in a good way, in a wise way. We're going to use everything that he's given us for his glory and honor. That's what he's saying. Listen, we should be as shrewd about eternity as lost people are about the temporal things of this world you should be investing in eternity is what he's saying this man in the parable he was investing in his future he was worried about his future he was saying i understand that that where i'm at right now is temporary and so i've got a plan beyond that and god would tell you the same thing where you are today in this world is temporary it's going away it's going away quick i think jesus is coming back soon and so you know what, take all that you've given and and use everything that you have for the glory of God. You know, take everything that you have and figure out ways to to, to use them for the glory of God. Paul, uh, you know, like Tom and Cindy, they will open up their farm for 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 us to come down and enjoy each other's company. People might be baptized, those kind of things. Use whatever you have. It It doesn't have to just be money. It can be possessions, anything you have. There's a ministry called Mom's Ministry that people um, give other people rides to work. You're investing your time and your, and your possessions to help propagate a conversation that the gospel might be presented and somebody might get saved. Right? There's, there's all kinds of ways to do that. There are people that have been intentionally sat down and prayed through God. How can I best utilize the things that I have for this world that, that, that they might be able to see Jesus in me and that I might be investing in the future? so you have a guy like Randy Nichols that starts mom's ministry, you know, does something like that. It's a calling, yes. And the Holy Spirit gave him that calling, but he had to fulfill it, right? Listen, you don't even have to figure out what God wants you to do with this stuff. He'll, he'll show you. All you have to do is open yourself up to him and say, Lord, I'm available. What do you want to do? Here am I, Lord. Send me, like Isaiah said. That's what he's looking for. Why is Jesus having to remind us as his disciples about this? Because we're short-sighted thinkers. That's why. And I don't mean that to offend you. What I mean is that we're not thinking about eternity a lot. We're not thinking. Majority of us don't think about eternity at all. In fact, you know, um, majority of the world doesn't even consider eternity. In fact, blocks it out because it's too big. I don't even want to consider that because i i don't know that i can have the answers i don't know if i want the answers so they block it out altogether. (laughs) the church does it too and so jesus uh you know jesus says hey i got to remind you of these things not only here but but then even the holy spirit and the apostle paul tells us in colossians 3 2 set your minds on things above not on things of this earth you you know uh, we should be thinking about everything that we have here as being temporal and it's going away and how can we invest in the future, which is eternity? What can I do today that's going to last? Everything you do for Jesus will last. So you want to invest heavily in those things. We should be living today for eternity, investing in the things that will last forever, not to say that we can't enjoy this life. You know, if you walk away from this going, man, I guess I should just, er, everything I have is, you know, not for my enjoyment at all. No, God wants to bless you, man. You're his kids. He wants to bless your socks off. But can you not do both at the same time? Is he not that big that he can do both at the same time? He can bless your socks off and bless other people's socks off at the same time. Can he do that? Of course he can, and he does that. And some of you might be sitting here today going, well, I really don't have a lot to do that with, Lord. And the Lord would tell you, you do what you, whatever you have, you do with what you can do with it. That's what he would say to you. And in fact, the more resourceful you get with the least amount you have, the more he would say, wow, well done, good and safe, faithful servant. Just like he said to the women with the two mites, remember? When the rich man came in and he dumped his loads of cash onto the tithe box, and he's like, look at all this cash I have. Look what I'm doing for the Lord. And everybody's ringing bells. And they're like, whoa, look at that guy. He's super awesome. He gave a lot to the Lord. And the the Lord and his disciples are watching this. And then this little old lady comes by and she has two mics worth nothing. Worth half a penny. Worth nothing. Literally, you can't even buy a loaf of bread with what she gives. She dumps it in the tithe box and walks off, probably thinking, what can God do with that? But you know, I'm going to be faithful with it. And and what what, what Jesus says is, you see what that woman did? She gave more than anybody. She gave out of her poverty. And so God would say to you, whatever he's resourced you with, man, he can bless and he can use, so just be faithful with it. Don't be looking at it as if, well, I don't really have much, so I'm not going to do anything. Invest in eternity. Do whatever you can do with what he's given you. Be shrewd in that way. Be wise. He goes on and he tells us that we're called to be faithful with everything that he's given us look at verse nine there this is where jesus starts to exposit what he's already said he says i tell you make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous well so that when it fails they may receive you into the internal dwelling one who is faithful is faithful in little and also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much if then you've, been not, if you've not been faithful in the righteous wealth, unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which, which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? This is where the meat happens. This is where the rubber meets the road, where Jesus starts to apply what he's saying to the disciples here. He says, just like the unjust steward, we are to make friends for ourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. You got that? Should we just move on? I, I sit there and I read that and I'm like, huh? What does that mean, Lord? What, what do you mean we're supposed to be like the shrewd, business, the shrewd servant who did what he did unrighteously? You know, unrighteous wealth, what does that mean? What Jesus is saying is not unrighteous in your actions. But he's saying in general, money, wealth is unrighteous. It, it has no righteousness to it. In fact, it belongs to this world, doesn't it? The value of money in our world is nothing in heaven. You realize that. Like you're not going to transfer your funds from here to heaven because it has value, right? You understand that. So so it has temporary value here, but it's unrighteous. You're righteous in Christ, but but the things that you've been given are not. But Jesus says to use those things, use those unrighteous things to make friends for yourselves in the world. What does he mean? What he's saying is, take all that you've been entrusted with take take all your time talents financial whatever and and use those things to make friends with people in the world in other words help them that's what he's saying he's telling you and I to help people to make friends with them that when they see you in heaven they might welcome you and that's what he's talking about here he's talking about investing in the future he's talking about eternity and he's talking about how what we do in this world will translate over into that world he says go make friends Go give that, you know, as the Lord would lead you. And this is where it gets kind of dicey because it's like there are all kinds of needs in the world, right? Everybody needs help. Everywhere you turn, people need help. I mean, people knock on on the church doors all day long that they need help. And and a lot of it, you know, you're wondering, is it legitimate or not? I don't know. And so you pray. And you ask the Holy Spirit. That's what we do, and I would expect that's what you do. Lord, do you want to do that? There, There are times, you know, you go by... A homeless person you think like man well they got there seems like they got there on their own with their own choices maybe they're not so good at making good choices maybe I shouldn't help them and listen if you pass by every homeless person like that I would say you're not being like Jesus our heart should be Lord what is your heart for this man and his situation and what would you have me to do and you know it's not simply just giving resources like you know be kind to people love on people you know that costs you nothing and you know what you you don't have to worry about what they're going to do with it but here's the thing is that's not your job really is it to worry about what they're going to do with it your job is to make friends that's what Jesus said he didn't say make friends and make sure that they're good stewards did he no no he said just make friends you go out and use the resources that I've given you to make friends with people and I'll take care of the rest now understand when you make friends with somebody they become accountable for what you've given them and they will answer to him. They don't have to answer to you. You don't, you know, here's what I find interesting. The Lord, ha- and I have conversations all the time where I'm saying, Lord, I don't, I, don't, I don't really think that's wise. Lord, I don't really think that that is, uh, you know, w- what, what, what we should be doing with, you know, with all our stuff, you know. And, and the Lord would say, well, hold on a second. Let's, let's just get this straight. Number one is it's not ours and we aren't doing anything. You're the servant. I'm the master. And so you just follow me and do what I say, okay? You know, I think like, well, I I guess I don't, you know, Lord, okay, I'll do it. You don't have to be okay with what God's doing. You understand that? Anybody else have this conversation with the Lord? Hey, hey, Tim, you don't have to be okay with what I'm doing. You just got to do it. Okay, Lord. And you know what? Oftentimes when I have those things in my heart where I'm like, oh, man, Lord, you know, when the Lord will tell me to do things like that. And, and I'll go do it. Man, I'm so just, when I, when I leave there, I'm just like, oh, gosh, Lord, what an idiot I am. That, you, that I would even question you, man. You know, you have conversation with this person. You understand where they're at. And, you know, I, I don't have to determine what's right or wrong or whether they're being truthful or not. All I have to do is love on them because that's my job. God knows everything about them. And he sent me there. Like he didn't send the, the person in front of me or the person behind me, but he sent me to go and make friends with this person. And to love on them and to resource them with something that he would want them to have. And you know, so when you do that, make very clear where it's coming from. Make it very clear that the Lord said he wants you to have this. The Lord is giving you this. You know, we're just stewards of what he's given. That's why we have to hold on to this stuff loosely, guys. You start holding on to this stuff too tight, and as Jesus will tell us later, it will control you, it will become your master. You know what, it's, you, you, if you have your hands open all the time and you're just doing what he tells you to do, it can't control you. Your resources can't control you. Jesus is telling us to be faithful. He's telling us to be faithful whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. He's just saying you just be faithful right where you are, whatever that might be. He's entrusted you with resources and you're called to be faithful. He goes on here, and he says in verse 13, "No servant can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the scribes and Pharisees? No. They're there, and in fact, they'll chime in in verse 16, and Jesus will address them, but he's not addressing them right now. Who's he addressing? He's addressing his disciples, and he's telling them you cannot serve two masters. Now, how many of you get that? How many of you understand that what Jesus is saying here is going to be a struggle? Like what he's going to say is like, hey, I know how the world works. I sort of created it, and I kind of have the you know the entire thing before me. I, I understand the way it, way it operates, the way it works. What I'm saying is I understand the danger for a believer to get so wrapped up in the temporary that we lose focus of eternity. And so we say, what can happen to a Christian is we can be doing our Christian thing, you know, and going to the world and, you know, whatever. We 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 can, you know, making a living for our family, providing for our family, blessing people in our church and all that kind of stuff. And then we can have this great idea. If I can just do a little more, then I can get a little more, then I can help a little more. If I can just do a little more, I can get a little more, and then I can help a little more. But who are you doing it for? Why are you doing that? Is that what the Lord's calling you to do? If the Lord wants you to have more, he'll give you more. You understand that? And and, and this is where the the balance becomes, you know, where we're called to be ambitious, but not too ambitious. Not not fleshly ambition, but spiritual ambition. Where we're being led by the Spirit. The Spirit's not, we're not leading the Spirit, Right? we're being led by the spirit in what he wants in our life because i promise you god will he'll say by all means go for it go see what the world has to offer you go see what riches will promise you adam clark said this about riches he said he said riches promise much and perform nothing they excite hope and confidence they deceive both in making a man dependent on them for happiness they rob him of salvation of god and the eternal glory but by all means go for it I know you're trying to help me out and I like that but you know let me be God and you be man right let me let me resource you that doesn't mean that we don't strive in the world I am thankful and so blessed by businessmen and women that are Christians that that are have climbed ladders that you know that put them in places where they can do substantial work for God. I'm thankful for that. And I think that God has a calling on those people. Listen, we're not all called to be missionaries to go to Africa to tell people about Jesus. Sometimes we're just called to do in our normal routine. We're missionary people in our own home, in our own community, in our own workplace. And that's what God's plan is for us. And we, and He's resourcing us to resource other people so that they can go do that, right? And, and so He allows us to excel so that He can take uh you know some servant of his and send them somewhere to to do the work of the gospel there and guess what you benefit from all of that god is saying when you when you continue to invest in eternity you're going to benefit from those things but don't let my don't let your possessions become your king oh if i just get some more if i have a bigger house then i can have more people over but if you have a bigger house then you have a bigger house payment which means you got to work more, which means you have less time than more time. Is that how that works? So, how does that work then? You, sometimes we think it out, we don't really think through it. We're like, no, it sounds great because look how I benefit out of it. Not that God doesn't want us to benefit, but listen, be careful. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Who are you listening to? Who are you following? Are you following him? Are you following yourself? Are you following the enemy? Who are you following? You following the, the Spirit? How do we know what has a hold of you? That's how you know Jesus said, Whatever has a hold of you will be your master. Whatever you're living for will be your master. We can say that we're living for God all day long, but our lives will reflect that. We can say that we're we're resourced and we're blessing, blessing as we've been blessed, but but your lifestyle will show that. You know, Jesus is telling us, what He's not saying is don't have anything. You know, I think a lot of Christians have this mentality that, you know, you shouldn't have anything. That, that I think a lot, a lot of Christians take the Scripture out of context and they say, well, well, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? True or false? False. The love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.10, right? What God is saying is, is that you can have a lot of money and be totally godly. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. Jacob did it. David did it. Solomon did it. Should I go on? I mean, plenty of people have done that. And so to have is not wrong, but to pursue is a whole different matter for your own purpose. some of us in our Christian walk are living their lives like I was as a child squandering what they have don't care about everything they have it's just for their own personal satisfaction and enjoyment and they are taking it and destroying it and guess what it comes of nothing it becomes useless at that point point. and when we stand in eternity and the Lord said remember those things that I gave you and you squandered them You have no reward for those things. God isn't saying sacrifice now and you'll get nothing in return for it. God is saying, "Hey, utilize what you've been given, and I'm going to bless you even further." Now, how many of you would rather have an eternal blessing than a temporary blessing? Anybody? I mean, apparently I'm the only one here. But, but, but I want to be blessed in eternity. And guess what? This is where you do it. You don't get to do it in eternity. Like, once you get there, you have your rewards. Like, the BMC judgment's not going to happen every month. It's like, oh, employee of heaven, you know, employee of the month here. Let's (laughs) see what happens here. Oh, you did this. Now you get that. No, no, it happens now. That's what he's saying. So invest in it. Invest in it. And, and, you know, contrary to popular belief, all of this is not about God trying to get what you have. Right? Because I had that, that mentality when I came into the church. When I stepped into the church, I thought... And all these people want his money, and that is true for some. They 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 have they are not they are not you know presenting the Lord the way that they should. God does not need your money. He can create things out of nothing, like he needs your money. But why does he ask for it? Why is he saying that it's important that you that you make um, giving a, 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 a really a healthy part of your lifestyle? Because. It keeps you from making it your God. It keeps it from serving you. It keeps you from focusing on yourself and and doing everything for you. And there is some satisfaction. There is some hole that God put in our heart that is the give hole. And when we give, we are incredibly blessed. Is that true? You know what? I love writing checks to God. I love it. Number 1 that that he would even entrust me enough to do that is awesome. But number 2, I'm just blessed to do it. You know what? If you're not, don't do it. Cuz the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But if you're not, you have to ask ask yourself why. Why do I have a problem with this? If you're wondering whether or not money is your god, you know, you have to you know, all you have to do is look at the way that you respond when you have to give it to somebody. Uh, you know, uh, or, or you know, when you're at lunch with somebody and it's like, oh, oh, you want me to get the check? Let me. Where's my wallet at? Let me. Oh, alligator arms, you know. Jesus said it's 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 better to give than receive, and that is true. Listen, hold loosely to your possessions, Christian. Don't allow your possessions to hold on to you. Remember that all that you have has been given to you, not to be used as you see fit, but to be used to further his kingdom. Amen? I want to close with a line from C.T. Stud. Pastor Chuck used to say this all the time. And it's this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You're going to die one day. And when you die... You're going to stand before God and you're going to account for everything that you have, everything that he gave you, all the talents, all the time, all the financial, uh, you know, wherewithal. Everything that he's given, given you, you're going to stand account for. And, you know, you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. It's not going to stop you from going to heaven, but it will stop you from being, being far better blessed in heaven than you would be. You understand? Invest in the future. Keep your eyes on eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word and how, Lord, it touches the right places in our hearts when, it, when we need it the most. God, I thank you for your tenacity for us, Lord. That you understand the struggles that we have and you understand the, the wrestling of our flesh and the spirit and that you train us in these areas that are super dangerous for us. Particularly this area of, of wealth versus serving. The temporary versus eternity. Lord, we're asking you today that, to help us be better stewards of what you've given, given us. Some of us in this room are doing an incredible job. And you would say, just continue doing what you're doing. Some of us are struggling with it and, and are asking you to empower us this morning. Lord, and some of us don't think we have a problem but we do and so lord you know every heart in this place today and we're just asking father that you would by your spirit right now just transform our lives as we in a heart of surrender right where we are say lord you know where i'm at with this stuff and and i don't you know i don't I, i'm tired of the struggle i don't want to allow these things to control me or and I need your help. Would you just, Lord, we know that your hand is extended. All we have to do is reach up. Would you Give us the faith today to reach up to you and commit our lives to you in this area. Commit our finances to you. Commit our time and our talents to you, Lord, and say they're all yours, God. What do you want to do with them? Help us to be loose-handed with the things that you've been given us, Lord. One of the best ways that we can be a good steward is by first and foremost accepting you into our life, becoming a Christian, receiving forgiveness that we need. And so, Lord, if there's anyone in this room today that is stranded in sin, that has a bank account in heaven, a debt in heaven that is so substantial that there's no way they could ever pay it off, but you're offering them freedom today from that, would you help them to just reach out to you? and to receive that forgiveness through Christ because He came to be our sacrifice. He came to die and rise again from the dead so that we can be saved. And so, Lord, as you seek and save the lost this morning, all you need is a willing heart that is confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, turning away from sin and turning to you. So, if that's you this morning, in the quietness of your own heart right where you are, you can just reach out to God right now and you can just say to him, Father, I'm a sinner and I have a debt that I cannot pay and I'm turning away from my sin today and I'm turning to Jesus and I want to be forgiven. And I'm asking you to come into my life, rule me, be my master. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead so that I could, call upon your name today to make you master. And so I'm reaching out to you right now, God. And I'm asking you to come in. And I thank you for for saving me and forgiving me now. Now help me to live a life of freedom from any other master but you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for the rest of us that are Again, just Christians that we just ask you to fill us with your spirit and help us to be better stewards of what you've been given us. And just, Lord, we commit ourselves to you now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.